Hello, I'm Liv Bolton. Welcome back to The Outdoors Fix, a podcast to inspire you to make adventures outdoors a bigger part of your life. The Outdoors Fix is produced in association with our friends at Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports. My guest in this episode is Tolga Actus. His story is one for those of you who are thinking of changing your career to be outdoors and in nature more. Tolga is a conservation biologist, writer and photographer who has just finished his degree in animal biology. His studies and love of animals and nature have taken him to Africa, Borneo and all over the UK, doing field work and volunteering on conservation projects. But his current life is a complete transformation from what it was a few years ago. Tolga grew up in South London and admits that he got involved with gang culture and left school with poor grades. He then trained to be an electrical engineer and spent years working in a 9-to-5 job in London. I travelled to Heinham Woods, near where Tolga's now living in Gloucestershire, to find out how he completely changed his life and career. I hope you enjoy this episode. And don't forget to listen out for Tolga's tips and the sounds of nature at the end of the podcast. So here's Tolga. Tolga, welcome to the Outdoors Fix. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be a part of this with you. We are here in Heinham Woods, near Gloucester and near the Cotswolds. Indeed we are. It is a beautiful day, absolutely stunning. We're in the middle of summer and it's really hot. We've had a couple of days of rain, but today it's pretty awesome. Blue skies, there's insects flying around. Yeah. Birds whenever. It's a nature reserve and we're in a clearing in the woods and you are sat on a wooden sculpture of a hand and a swallow and it's, um, yeah, it's a pretty picturesque spot. We're very fortunate actually. (laughs) (laughs) So Tolga, why is this place special to you or how do you know of it? I know of it because of, I've been housed with my girlfriend and we've been staying with her parents. There's been some days where I just really needed to get outside and, you know, really be involved with nature and I just decided one day that I wanted to go for a walk and explore the area so I walked from a place called Hartbury and that was a couple of miles from here and I ended up finding this place and finding out that it's a nature reserve that protects you know fauna and flora. Have you needed nature in lockdown have you felt? Of course there's um we we always need uh, the natural world we need nature we need wildlife to connect to it and just feel that we're not out of place it's very easy to feel out of place with technology and everything that's going on with our personal lives and just where this pandemic is going it's a stark reminder of of all of that yeah it's a a really grounding thing I've certainly felt that I've needed to get out and do walks during lockdown or at least kind of get your mind remembering what the important things are and and appreciating what's around us for sure so how does the outdoors fit into your life at the moment? Is it a mixture of going on walks in, in the local area? What, what kind of outdoors things are you doing at the moment? Well, for me, I mean, I don't, I don't have my, my driving license yet and a car, so I'm kind of restricted. And public transport, of course, is very limited. So, <laughs> yeah, pretty tricky. <laughs> so um, I recently purchased a bike, so 
Um, I go and cycle whenever I can, and that's really nice. Uh, releases the, the good endorphins, of course. Yeah. And whenever possible, weather permitting, I'll come and walk to a place like Hynamwoods and just really connect with it. It's just me and my camera, sometimes my binoculars, and just really appreciate my time while I'm down here. Have you spotted any good birds here? Yeah, I've seen a load of robins, sometimes some wrens, green finches oh, and yeah. goldfinches, which are species I've never seen in London at all, where I'm naturally from. Tolga, you are a conservation biologist, a writer, an environmental photojournalist, and you've just finished your degree in animal biology, so congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, it must have been yeah, quite a hard, strange last term of that, of that degree in this, Definitely, in this for pandemic. Sure. But for anyone who doesn't know, what is a conservation biologist? You use whatever skills you've acquired through biology, wherever you've studied your course, and you have a particular fo focus on conserving fauna and flora widespread across the globe. So, you know, species that are threatened, uh, near threatened or endangered and critically endangered, you use all your work efforts and theoretical knowledge to try and conserve, preserve and protect these areas. And whether it's through grant writing and, you know, doing publications or, you know, doing journals and blogs and all kinds of presenting, you kind of use all of those skills together. You work with amazing people that are passionate about conserving and protecting these areas too and you just work some magic and hopefully you can do something nice for the natural world and its wild inhabitants. Your life is outdoorsy and surrounded by nature now but it hasn't always been the case so I want to go back a little bit. Can you tell me about where you grew up? Yeah sure thing. So um, I spent the majority of my childhood um, in South London and then I spent most of my upbringing there. And because my dad is from the Turkish side of Cyprus, we used to travel frequently back and forth during the school holidays when things were nice and it was six weeks off. And oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I ended up going to North Cyprus a lot because my father's from there. Where our village is uh, placed in Northern Cyprus is called Chihangir. And where our houses are, um, my, my dad's siblings all live next to each other. So my cousins was always nearby and we had a fantastic backdrop of mountains. Wow. Um, obviously summer was not always uh, full of vegetation, it was just really uh, dry land. But when spring came it was really nice. But I was always that weird cousin that was just not inside with the other family members and yeah. I was just outside in the, in the wild, really yeah. just catching things. You know, my, my family would always have empty Nescafe jars you know, that I used to have coffee and I would just go catch lizards or something. <laughs> What's your family like? You have siblings? So I'm one of five. I am the second, second youngest. We haven't always been together because most of my siblings are obviously away. They have their families to look after. And both my brothers can't even speak. So the, the only brother that I did spend time with, he couldn't really be there for me as much as I was there for him with my parents looking after him. So I just found company in the wilds, you know, just going out and walking whenever I could and, you know, connecting to nature in my garden and just watching documentaries and just connecting to the nature. That was, that was my way of, you know, fixing that, that loneliness because it's really hard when you've got, when you've got family members that aren't able to speak because they've born, been born that way, 
it's really hard and if you haven't got parents that equally feel passion and passion about wildlife and nature you're kind of at a loss with someone to talk to so yeah nature has been so benefiting to me in so many ways when you were younger did you want to get into conservation what was it that you wanted to be well the thing is um well Today, in our present day, we're very lucky to have all of the resources and people that are advocating about all of these amazing jobs and, you know, these issues that are occurring. So there's, there's more freedom, there's more flexibility, there's more awareness of careers in, you know, STEM, you know, biology and engineering and all of those kind of things. But when I was younger, I didn't really know what was out there. Um, I just saw my uncle's, my dad's brother, farm as just a, a thing that was there, it was necessary. I didn't really realise that there was careers in looking after animals. I really didn't know what conservation was until we finally had like a television that had documentaries and it was Steve Owen actually, yeah. the late Steve Owen and his Crocodile Hunter uh, series, TV series and his antics just running around catching things and you know talking about conservation. And that really opened up my eyes. And then shortly afterwards, Sir David Attenborough and his wildlife programs. So that really made me realize that, you know, there's something called conservation out there. And, you know, there's people promoting, you know, the protection of these species and wild spaces. And things just took forth from there. But it was kind of, it was kind of long-winded and it wasn't a straight path, but... Well, yes, exactly what I want to come on to, because you've written on social media that you got sidetracked in mm. your teenage years, that you didn't do particularly well at school in London, and that you got involved in gang culture. Mm -hmm. can, can you tell me what happened there? Yeah, so as you know, with anyone that's growing up in London, um, you're either going to really do well after school, or you're going to get sidetracked due, due to bad influences, or you know, just not having any sense of direction and that was the case for me um, I didn't really have uh, you know well-grounded strict parents that knew education well to say you know knuckle down Tolga this is where you're gonna go if you really do well because I'm actually the only apart from one of my cousins in the States we're the only ones that has degrees so I didn't really know where to go and I didn't really do well in school my grades wasn't really um, up there if I should say <laughs> And yeah, I just ended up falling under the wrong crowds and I thought, you know, this was cool. And some of them knew what they was doing, so I followed them and yeah, ended up going the wrong way. And it, was, it wasn't a good place for me. And it actually led me to sitting in a, a cell one time just for the weekend until my parents came and collect me. And I saw how my parents looked at me with so much fear. And I just remembered that face for a long period of time and I thought to myself that you know I don't want to see that again I'm going to change you know my actions and really just try and make something of myself to make them proud because no parent wants to see this you know their son in these places or you know getting hurt and and all of that so ever since then I just really focused on something that has meaning that I can really make a positive change and that's where I've been ever since. I mean that is amazing to have that moment that made you think about you know how you wanted to live your life mm. you went into electrical engineering for a few years mm -hmm. 
and um, I mean that's quite different to what you're doing now. Very different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what what was it that made you think when you were being an electrical engineer that I need to change my path and I want to pursue conservation, something that you'd you know been interested in since a kid? Well, the funny thing with life, as you may know as well, good things can come from the bad experiences and fortunately the engineering came from you know being around gang culture and bad influences um, I heard that engineering could possibly you know be very nice financially and I had a friend at the time that said he wanted to do that and I followed because our grades wasn't great and I, f I believe if I remember correctly the entry requirements for getting onto a engineering course didn't demand much so I did that and my mum ended up getting me a apprenticeship in a place called Harrods in Knightsbridge. That was very lucky. Um, and I'm so grateful for my mum to get me that kind of, you know, platform, that kind of exposure to people. Because I learned how to, you know, work in a team, which is also great for all of the fields and experiences I'm doing now. And it, it really allowed me to, to mature a bit and really decide what I wanted in life. Mm -hmm. And that's when I just fought back to what did I really love. And the funny thing about Harrods is they had a um, pet store, which was on the fourth floor. I don't mm. think it's still there now. I think it's all clothing. But they, they used to always sell like little cute uh, puppies and kittens, sometimes some hamsters. Yeah. And there was always really um, expensive dog breeds, cat breeds and all of that stuff. And I just used to always skip lunch with the engineering team and just be down there you know stroking these little cute animals and just feeling at home and then I just hit a moment I, it wasn't instant but I was doing it for a couple of months or maybe a year I just keep keep going down and spending some time with these animals then I realized that I really this is not a, you know a sudden thing I've actually really always loved animals and then I really thought to myself wait am I gonna really work really hard for something that I don't want to do or you know wake up every day passionate about or am I gonna ditch it all and then really wake up one day and be happy doing something that has meaning that I'm gonna really love and it's gonna make a, a positive change and then after some more time thinking about it I just I didn't even tell my parents I just stormed up to the top floor of our engineering yeah. office and just said to the the manager that I'm gonna leave Oh. And it was insane because he he accepted it, but my engineering team didn't know, my parents didn't know, so I had to explain to them. And then I just said, I'm going to leave this um, engineering apprenticeship and I'm just going to go into conservation. Wow. And they, they just stared at me and said, are, are you okay, Tolga? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I want to do this. And then... Yeah, it didn't really set well with my mum because she obviously worked hard to get me this apprenticeship. But I think after many years of doing this now and achieving some grades and going to uni, I think she finally sees that it's, it's paid off. And that you were determined. She sees that. Wow, that was a nice That was a beautiful butterfly going past, wasn't it? <laughs> she saw that you were determined and yeah. actually that you were, you know, serious about it. Yeah. Because it's, um, it's quite a thing, career change, when it's quite intimidating. You've done, you, you know, you've been qualified in something and you may have a decent income to live on and you've got a certain lifestyle. 
it takes courage to be able to say, actually, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to go do something that I really love. Or scary. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Scary. Because I think what a lot of people feel is that you say that you want to go and do this, but it's quite hard to know how to make something happen. Definitely. Particularly in conservation, because I don't think, from what I know, there's not a necessarily a linear route to you know, getting a job in conservation. So how did you make it happen? There was actually a long period of time where nothing was really working for me. So I had one year of just sitting at home, you know, jobless, and there was no money coming in. I was literally dipping into my savings. So during that time, I was just researching and seeing what what do I have to do now? Because I knew I wanted to work with animals, but I didn't really make a plan, if that makes sense. I just zoomed up to the office and said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. And then I was like, oh, okay, what do I do now? This has happened. So um, yeah, I researched how, how to make um, a career in, in conservation or wildlife, especially in the UK, and then eventually abroad. And I saw that you need to be qualified. And when I looked at my, my CV at the time, I didn't have that, I've only had the uh, the engineering qualifications that I may have acquired through college and this apprenticeship. And I saw that there's a, a few um, land-based colleges um, that are around London, and some of them are actually down here, like Hartbury College. But I found one in particular called Capel Manor College, and it's a land-based college. They have agricultural, um, horticulture courses, and of course, animal studies. And I saw it, and I was like, wow, this looks really nice. And they, they didn't really demand much. And then I really thought about it and I looked at what they can offer. And it just, you know when something just sits right in your heart and mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just ticking all the boxes. And I thought, wow, this could be my actual, my big break. I can start something from this. And then the, the major thing in this field, I don't know if anyone out there that's listening needs to know if they want to do this, but you need volunteering experience. Right. And it doesn't matter where or what you're doing, but it's, they need to see that you're willing to put in the effort yeah. and the time. So I found a local city farm near me called Surrey Docks Farm okay. before um, enrolling on this college course. And what and, were you doing there? Oh, I was just doing loads of farm stuff, like mucking out their pens yeah. and, you know, putting new bedding. You know, it was mucky, but yeah. I enjoyed it. I don't know why there's something so satisfying about cleaning an animal's mm. enclosure. Mm. But it was definitely so much better than putting in electrical installations, <laughs> i got to tell you. <laughs> so after the volunteering at the farm, I ended up enrolling at this college at Cable Manor, doing a degree in animal care, which was a level two diploma. And then in between that, I was still at the farm, um, ended up going to a children's zoo in Battersea. Oh, yeah. And then after that, ended up going to a, it was a monkey sanctuary in Cornwall. In wow. Lou, and they basically rescue primates that have been in the pet trade, the okay. legal pet trade. You know, while I was doing the course as well at the college, they was really teaching us stuff like animal health and you know, zoonotic uh, diseases and you know, habitats and wildlife conservation abroad and all of these kinds of things and you know how to house accommodation in zoos. And it was really, really nice because I was actually doing this kind of stuff physically. And then I ended up staying further, and then I'd done a, another course in animal management. That was what got me the credits for university. 
Gosh, so it does take quite a lot, doesn't it? So you've got to do the volunteering, then you've got to do the diplomas and the different courses before you've got enough to go and do the animal biology degree. Yeah, it, yeah. it was quite a quite a journey, and it was it was strange because it was never it was never straight. If I if that makes sense, it was always back and forth. And my mum, every time I left out the door in like scrubby clothes because it needed to get mucky to work with these animals behind the scenes. My mum was always wondering, like, Tolga, are you going to volunteer again? You know you're not getting any money. Is it worth it? And I was like, mum, yeah, it's, it's volunteering and that's what they require. And, you know, it's not worth it now, but in the long term, it's going to look good. And it was really hard because if, if you've got parents that haven't done this stuff in their, in their generation throughout their childhood, they're not going to understand that working for free is something that is, you know, right. And it was very hard trying to convince my parents that, you know, this was leading to something. I got more roles in between that. So I ended up working at a, um, volunteering, should I say, at a wolf sanctuary in Reading. Wow. And then after that, it was a, um, a position actually in Cyprus, which wasn't too far from my house, where they was working with sea turtles. Wow. And that was really, really nice because there was conservation actually in the field. Mm. And I just really felt at home with this thing and I thought okay I really made the right decision leaving my uh, job in engineering even if it felt scary at the time. All of these experiences that you would have never have had before and it must have been thrilling. It was it was it was almost surreal you know as much as it's surreal with this global pandemic and coronavirus it was just like at first it starts off not too well and then it gradually gets okay when experiences come and then you stay in it and then you think okay I'm really enjoying this and then more opportunities come and then you're thinking wow like I can't keep up what's going on mm. where are these opportunities coming from you meet fantastic people like-minded individuals that are passionate about the same cause as you and you just feel really really great. So your animal biology degree at the University of Gloucester it was three years? Three years yes. And you got to go to some pretty amazing places on that course. Can mm. you tell me a bit about where you went and what you were doing? Yeah, so um, I always knew I wanted to go to Africa and this was um, before even uni started. Uh, there was this series once on ITV called uh, Wild at Heart. So nice, it was like this veterinarian that uh, used to work in London and he just had this moment where he wanted to save animals in Africa when this monkey came into his veterinary clinic. Okay. Long story short, I've always wanted to go to Africa from that moment. Uh, and then after the first year, I decided that I wanted to go to Africa and, and work with some of the endangered species. I found this amazing conservation organization called Wildlife Acts and they had this uh, volunteer with endangered species program. So I did that during first year saved up, done a GoFundMe campaign, done all kinds of stuff to raise some money yeah. to go there. Whereabouts in Africa? Uh, KwaZulu-Natal, so Zululand. Wow, in so South Africa? Yeah, South Africa. Um, and it was just fantastic, you know, I had this really hands-on experience. The guys and ladies there were so enthusiastic, they really wanted to protect these animals. What kind of animals? So um, they particularly, they, they say priority species, but in for them, that is uh, African wild dogs, um, lions, elephants, both white and black rhinos, cheetahs, all of the vulture species that end up migrating and flying all over. And I, I ended up seeing everything there during my first year. I really had a 
you know, great experience with the wild dogs and I saw loads of lions. And I just told myself that, you know what, I've had a really great experience here. I really want to come back and, you know, potentially do my dissertation and the, the following year. And then I, I did. I did oh, it. Oh, wow. So you did your thesis on, on African wild dogs? Wild dogs and lions, yeah. Wow. So what did that involve? How long were you out doing, did you do field work? Yeah, so I ended up staying there for eight or nine weeks. And I went to four, four different reserves and it was just insane. It was so good. I, I got all of my data. Um, I got mo so much more. Um, met so many fantastic people. And I think the, the highlight moment for me was um, we had this opportunity to dehorn uh, a rhino horn in the most safest manner, of course, because uh, poaching rates, um, once the horn grows to a certain length, if a poacher sees that rhino in the wild, it will kill it. So wildlife professionals have to intervene and um, trim down the horn and then secure it in a secure place. So we ended up spotting this rhino. Wildlife vets came and put the animal to sleep temporarily so we can do this procedure. And then, you know, flying in a helicopter to watch it run off once it woke up, it was just insane. And up until this moment, it still doesn't feel real. Like I've pinched myself so many times and it's just... Insane. That's an extraordinary thing to see. Not many people see that. A fascinating course then. It's quite a change from electrical engineering then. I mean, that is the experiences you've had compared to what you were doing before. Not yeah. to put electrical engineers down, but I mean, it's very different and it's uh, eye-opening. Yeah, it's very, it's very insane. I mean, I used to carry on like a toolbox filled with screwdrivers and stuff. Now I've got backpacks filled with cameras. It's, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, it's a good change for me, it works, but I can't recommend it to everyone. But if anyone has, you know, that desire to go into the wild and to be surrounded in nature and to make a difference and feel happy, then really evaluate your life and see if what you're doing is making you happy. And if it's not, then I definitely would recommend just choosing something that you're outdoors and you meet fantastic new people. Well, great effort. And so you've just graduated and you've got your blog, um, Ways of the Natural World, and you also have been writing stories for children from a conservation angle through a character called Pine the Fox. Yeah. The Pine the Fox is just a, uh, a way for me to write stuff for um, the younger generation as well. Just a different voice and just to make it fun and more accessible. I think if you've got like a little cute character, you can actually you know, write some fun things and then just hint at some stuff that's happening in, you know, the wild and then... So your character is trying to kind of highlight some of the environmental issues yeah, like, that the UK's so facing? In particular, like stuff in the UK with, you know, farmland and spaces, habitat spaces getting lost and, you know, animals having to get into close contact with humans to find food, so just stuff like that. That's a really good way of engaging young people and trying to sort of make them aware of these things from, from a young age yeah. through a really cute <laughs> character, Pine uh, the Fox. I'm glad you love it. So in the UK, what are some of the conservation projects that you've been particularly interested in? I really like the rewilding projects that's occurring here in the UK. So in particular, there is a fantastic rewilding project happening in Inverness in Scotland. Um, it's a place called the Allardale Wilderness Reserve. Uh, a guy called Paul Lister uh, he's a philanthropist and he's really investing a lot of time and efforts and finance into 
you know, bringing Scotland, you know, back to its native state, you know, restoring ecosystems that have been lost due to years and years of just human intervention. Um, they're doing fantastic work with tree planting initiatives, you know, planting trees like Scots pine, juniper and, you know, birch and all, all kinds of trees. Um, I mean, it's just fantastic. They've got a Scottish uh, wildcat uh, breeding program mm. and they're even growing their own veg and other kinds of produce through aquaponic system. It's just, it's just really great to see, you know, the UK doing these innovative and, you know, creative things. And the other place is the Nepeste in West Sussex where oh, yes. uh, Isabella Tree and Charlie Burrow have just literally left their land to just do its thing, let nature take its course and be in charge. And they've seen some really fantastic wildlife successes. And I just think that's incredible that the UK has stuff going on like that in the background. So what is the goal for you now that you, you've got your blog and you've finished your degree and those are massive milestones that you've you know, managed to achieve. What's the goal in terms of conservation? I think if I'm ever fortunate enough one day to get you know, some books out there where I can share my stories or create fictional ones that inspire and talk about, you know, our planet and its fragility with the things that are going on, that would be a good place. And, you know, just through photography, you know, storytelling through that way and creating a, a narrative that can be shared and circulated around our social spaces and, and stuff like that. That would be the ideal kind of uh, lifestyle and job for me, I think. So what does nature and the outdoors mean to you? I just, it just means life, you know, it is connecting to nature, being in nature. I feel like it just gives me hope and meaning. I know when I'm out in it and I'm enjoying it and I'm writing my stories to want to protect these places, that's when I'm the most happiest. And it's just so nice that you know, we've got this beautiful planet. If we can't learn to protect a place that offers so much to us, then we're really in trouble. And yeah, I just like, I just love it so much. And I, I really want to be a part of it. And I want to see that it continues to offer so many more generations after us with the same benefits that we've been given. Tolga, who are the three people who have inspired your outdoors adventures? I would definitely say, uh, so Bear Grylls, he's just that outdoor hard man that's always out there and he does a fantastic job in inspiring people to see the outdoors and really just get out into the elements. Um, so that's the first one at first. Um, You've got a bit of a Bear Grylls vibe in that outfit, actually, today. Uh, You've got the wax jacket on. It's quite Bear Grylls. Leverson Wood. I actually got introduced to him through my girlfriend, Hannah. Yeah, he's the advent explorer and author. Author and knew just recently. I don't know if he's been doing it for his whole career journey, but he's doing a lot in wildlife conservation, which I think, think is fantastic as well. Um, he just does a great job with, you know, really you know showing that everyone can actually be explorers and he involves history and to the places 
that he goes to. Um, he's traveled all across the Africa, uh, the Himalayas, uh, Arabia and all of that. So he's really been a huge inspiration and I'm so grateful that my girlfriend introduced me to him. That's cool. I think Adrian Stern, he's done some fantastic photography and documentary work and he's been a really huge inspiration in terms of traveling to you know, natural places that have endangered species and really capturing the moment, you know, whenever there's been, you know, poaching incidents or, you know, searching for the last remaining leopard or something like that. He showed me a really good way of how to capture a strong and positively impacting a narrative through photography. And I'm yeah. really grateful towards that. That's cool. So photojournalism, really photojournalism, looking at yeah, yeah, really looking at the stories mm. that are in conservation. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. So where does he? Where's he based? He's actually uh, Australian, but he's based in South Africa at the moment. There's a fourth, just to not be sexist. <laughs> There's a really fantastic environmental journalist called Emily Garthway, and she does amazing work. For anyone that wants to follow a strong leading female that captures. Uh, really uh, engaging content that focuses on humanitarian projects and wildlife conservation, she's definitely the one to look for. What would be your tips for anyone who wants to work in conservation? What would be first steps? First steps, I would definitely say, and this is by far the most important one, is research. Because I know there's going to be so many other inspiring students or volunteers or, you know, just any candidate that wants to go abroad. And there's so many of those projects out there that are really misleading. Um, I think it's very easy nowadays to obtain images and make websites and you know you can write all kinds of narratives to kind of hook people into the wrong things so what for example let me give an example to you guys um, when I first wanted to go to South Africa right there were so many projects out there that allowed you to um, you know walk with lions for example I won't name these because we'll get into we'll get into legal trouble then yeah, yeah. yeah. but all I'm saying is just really research. But yeah, people are, you know, these organizations are allowing people to walk with lions and, you know, take selfies with them. And, you know, it's, it's not it's not good. It's not natural. So there's some dodgy, dodgy things out there. Dodgy, that, dodgy yeah. conservation organizations. I mean, there's a fantastic amount of people and organizations doing great things, but equally, there's always going to be the bad one so so research is really really important then research is, is definitely important Agreed. but what I would ask with that then is are there certain organizations that people and websites that people can go to to know that they're actually looking up bona fide conservation projects that they're looking at the real deal rather than these dodgy ones yeah I think most most organizations now are trying their best to you know say in their ethos and mission statements what they're doing you can also look at um, good job sites like, I don't know, conservation jobs, environmental jobs and see what these uh, job roles or volunteering opportunities are offering. You can also look at people that inspire you and see what they've done and then research the places that they've been to. And do you have any tips for people who want to make a career change? It may not be into conservation, but just someone who wants perhaps a more outdoorsy career. Do you have any tips for that? Yeah. 
I would definitely say don't jump to a con to an immediate change like I did without a plan B because that was definitely foolish and I was very lucky to land on my feet straight away. But if you've actually thought about you know, changing career for a long time and you know you're unhappy and you know you can find happiness in something else that you've previously known that you've enjoyed doing, then really think about it. Um, sometimes it always helps doing a mind map and just weighing out the pros and cons. Actually see if there's any career benefits from it and if you can actually get a career in it. And if it starts making sense and there's more pros than the cons, then just go for it and really just trust in in yourself. That's the most important thing. If you know you can make it work and you know you're going to you know, create some positive change to yourself and others around you and our environment, then, then really go for it. So your mum must be pretty convinced that you made the right career change then now? I think she is. She's, she's really happy now. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm, it's, it's always nice just talking about my little adventures because they haven't seen half of the stuff I've seen. And they're just, they're just always amazed. And it's really nice to share that, you know, that passion with them and let them learn new things. Tolga, this has been really, really interesting chatting to you. Thank you so much. And we've had such wonderful weather for it. Only a little bit of wind and we've had butterflies and bumblebees flying past us as we've been talking. So thank you. And, and your story is so interesting about how you've made this massive change in your career. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to my story having me on your amazing podcast and it's been like you said it's been really fantastic and we've still got a bit of our walk back to where we started from so we've still got a few miles to go in this beautiful Cotswold countryside yeah let's go enjoy it <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tolga's episode. You can see photos of Tolga's outdoors adventures and our recording on the Outdoors Fix website or on Instagram at the Outdoors Fix. You'll also find Tolga on Instagram at Tolga underscore Actus one. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe to make sure you get all the episodes when they come out. And it would be brilliant if you could tell your friends and family about it to help spread the word. Now, it's that time to take a short moment to relax and listen to a sound that might be familiar to some of you. Rain on a tent while camping. It was a gorgeous clip very kindly sent to me by Becky Angel, also known as Becky the Traveller on Instagram. I hope you enjoy it.
The Outdoors Fix is proudly supported by Ellis Brigham Mountain Sports, stores nationwide and online offering everything you need to equip you for the best outdoors experience.